Hello and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon and its ecosystem. I am your host and Axonic developer advocate, Sarah Tori. In this episode, I spoke with Adam Dimitri, who came up with the concept of event modeling. This is currently one of my really favorite topics because uh, I really appreciate the thought process behind it in uh, terms of uh, organization, design, uh, but most importantly, the simplicity of this concept uh, that uh, it introduces uh, this level of design uh, into somewhat of a detail, but also very understandable for uh, every department and every team in a business, uh, which I think is really cool. I also really enjoy talking with him because uh, as we are living in different times now with uh, the current global situation we're going through, we have different experiences uh, with working from home, uh, with children, other uh, interruptions in our lives. And I really appreciated uh, sharing some of that during our recording session with Adam and how uh, wonderfully he um, handled the situation as well, because, uh, you know, he's also a parent and uh, we just had a really, really fun conversation. So I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. And let's have a listen. Hi, Adam. How are you today? Good. How's it going, Sarah? Great. Thank you so much for joining me. I understand it's late evening your time and it's pre-dawn my time. So it's still, it's dark on both sides. I'm a, I'm a night owl, so that's okay. <laughs> that's great. And I'm more of an early bird, so it, it works out great. Perfect time and, zones for yeah, that. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much. So, um, Adam, I have so many questions for you today and uh, so many topics to talk about. So hopefully we can uh, we can keep it at a, a reasonable time. <laughs> we'll try that. If not, we'll talk again. Yes. Um, but before we go to one of my uh, currently favorite topics, which is event modeling, um, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, education? Where are you located, by the way? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'm located in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia in, in Canada on the West Coast. So mm-hmm. um, very beautiful place to live. I'm happy to, to call it home. Um, I'm originally yeah. from from Poland. So we were immigrants here when I was a young kid. And that kind of that's kind of what started my, my computer journey is uh, mm-hmm. uh, going into uh, and getting a Commodore 64 when I was a little kid. And uh, <laughs> nice. I started programming at a very young age and um, got really into it. Uh, yeah. I was kind of my friend. I was kind of a nerd. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how I started. That's, so that's a lot of it is self-learned. Yeah, wonderful. So I'm currently actually closer to your home country than you are. So yeah, that's it's a lot yeah, of irony. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> perfect. And um, so you you told me a little bit about uh, how your interest started in, uh, in computer and programming. Uh, how about your education and, uh, you know, after well, but, moving to Canada? Yeah, it followed uh, naturally. Luckily, here uh, in the '80s, the at least the late '80s, you already had some uh, had some computers in schools yeah. uh, for for kids. So there was yes. uh, by the time I was in grade seven, there was some Commodore sixty fours um, mm-hmm. already. Um, in high school, uh, they did get a uh, a lab with uh, a computer lab where you could do word processing on. Um, PS2s nice. and things like that and actually start to do some networking mm-hmm. and things like that. So, <clears throat> you know, every time there was a computer course offered, I, I took it. I took them uh, one grade ahead. The, the yeah. teachers let me do that, which was nice. And um, actually, I started I started consulting before I um, 
uh, I finished high school uh, simply wow, because okay. people needed help with computers. There was a lot of digitization yeah. back then. So you had mm-hmm. people wanting to automate stuff. And uh, the principal um, had a friend in government that uh, that needed an uh, office automated. And that was my first contract uh, back when I was you know 17 or something or 18, wow. which was yeah really cool. Amazing. Yeah. So I stuck with it and uh, finished up uh, college um, right after I started with engineering, but uh, that didn't have enough of the computer courses. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of very, very pointed towards an engineering degree where I, I, I didn't get to get a chance to take all the math courses I wanted and, and all the computer right. science courses. So mm-hmm. after the first year, I, I decided to uh, just follow my passion and take the courses that I liked instead yeah. of the, the courses that you're required to take by a certain Smart. degree. And so I got a general yeah. degree and um, so it's called an associate of science, not very popular mm-hmm. in Canada, but offered yeah. um, quite commonly in the United States. Yeah. Uh, luckily, the college I was going to offered that as well. And um, yeah, um, by the end of this, um, by the end of this, this uh, podcast, we'll see how that, uh, <laughs> how I actually came back to academia after all these years. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll yeah. talk and about that And I can't wait to bit. hear about it. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's my education, isn't it? You know, no formal, large, giant, impressive degree, but just a college degree, which, which was fine. And a lot of hands-on mm-hmm. dedication and uh, spending lots of time on the computer till four in the morning uh, yeah. to, the, to the disappointment of my parents as to, you know, I was late for school every morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a really smart decision because um, nowadays I personally see a lot more people who are uh, moving from, you know, whatever uh, formal education they had to computer or um, technology and things like that. And that's really uh, nice to see because we see that uh those things are offered more and more online or, you know, even in colleges. And so you don't have to have that formal education, such as myself. You know, my education background oh. is in music and here I am. I so, tell yeah, you, it's really, if I had, it's a if smart I, decision. If I, if I had what what you know my son has at, at his disposal to learn whatever you want, it's mm-hmm. um it's a it's an amazing world. I remember having to wait for a good computer book to be back in the library because it was always checked out by somebody and yeah. it was you know, you'd wait months to get the book that you needed. So it's very frustrating. You had uh, kids and people that wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I don't think people grasp just how far away that used to be a couple of yeah. generations ago. Yeah. And, wow, I'm getting old. I'm saying a couple of generations ago now. Anyway. <laughs> you wonder about, yes, yes, no, I totally get it. And it's, you know, you mentioned that. And it reminds me when I first took my uh, very first computer class, which was in uh, 1995. And um, my dad actually was the person who was like, yeah, let's do, let's do this because my brother and I were constantly on the computer and playing Prince of Persia. Oh, and that's great. How old I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It was interesting because that, that particular uh, course or class or whatever you want to call it was offered uh, once a week. And there were only four kids in that uh, little classroom. And uh, it was on DOS programming. So we just sat there and just basically terminal stuff. Um, But it was it was fantastic. But at the same time, kind of sad because that uh, the interest wasn't as much as it is, of course, nowadays. And so that class was unfortunately canceled after like, you know, however many months it was. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I hear you on the uh, availability of the information and also the interest and everything. But uh, yeah, it's, it's great to see that that has changed. And now we have books for, you know, little kids. Like my four-year-old has books 
you know, <laughs> written by one of my friends who who does, you know, children's book on technology. It's just, it's a fascinating world. It's wonderful. Um, but anyways, let's, let's get back to you. Um, sure. So <laughs> we can talk for hours, can't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's talk about event modeling, because that's something that uh, you uh, started uh, with that concept, which uh, is a really, really cool concept. It's, it's nothing, I don't think it's, um, not this like new age idea. It, it was built on, you know, uh, event sourcing and so forth. But uh, the way that uh, you've come up with the idea is, is really fascinating. So I'm really eager to hear more about it. How did you come up with the with the idea? Well, it's really hard to come up with a truly original idea. So um, kind of like you've hinted, you kind of build on concepts that, that you that you find uh, in your experience or through research or experimentation or whatever. And then you you kind of put together some something new that's more um, usable. So if you talk about um, information system design, most people think of UML or something like that. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. how come UML is not as prolific as you know, just not doing UML. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it ended up being um, a little bit too heavy. And I always liken it to the fact that it's just too close. It's too one-to-one with actual implementation. Right. Which which does draw a silo uh, within an organization. It doesn't reach mm-hmm. as many people and therefore it won't be as successful. So the further a concept can reach, the more successful it will be if it has value. So um, the the idea is actually I never set out to, to make event modeling. It was really um, just the way that I learned how to design systems after um, I spent a year uh talking with Greg Young, who came up with CKRS and event sourcing. That was in mm-hmm. 2008. He lived uh, here in Vancouver um, for a couple of years, maybe three years, um, and uh, uh, moved on to Montreal after that. But uh, during the time here, that's when he coined the, the term CKRS. And um, I was lucky enough to actually have have him as a mentor in you know, how to think about information systems in a different way. And this is mm-hmm. from the accounting perspective of really understanding an audit trail of all events that we really kind of want to be yeah. at the heart of how a database works, which is the transaction log. Well, what if the transaction log itself was what we were able to query and use as a as a immutable store that continually grows? And mm-hmm. so, thinking about that and seeing just the you know the advantages of of being able to specify software, test software, think about information and information systems. I, I a lot of times don't want to talk about programming or software. I want to talk about information yeah. systems because the yeah. same concepts actually uh, extend into manual processes or mm-hmm. workflow, uh, just business workflow. Um, exactly. And all of these concepts, it's just information. So if we focus on information itself, we mm-hmm. start to see a deeper understanding and something that's more usable by everyone else. And so yeah. that's, I think, the refinement that I gave. Um, it's it's borrowed uh, from a, from a couple of uh, places. Like I said, Greg Young's event sourcing was key to kind of say, well, this is the storyline. You know, these are events going from left to right that describe what's happening in a system. And we can, if we do that correctly, mm-hmm. we'll understand, and we can use that as the modeling practice. Um, the idea to have it as a as a workshop format where it's a collaborative process with lots of different people from different roles within the organization participating together, being able to get their ideas across in a way that doesn't require any 
a large amount of learning, then mm-hmm. we have something that's that's very valuable. And so that that was borrowed from Alberto Brandolini, who did event storming. In fact, we mm-hmm. thought we were doing event storming. And yeah. when I went to Alberto Brandolini's uh, event storming um, uh, uh, summit that he had in 2018, yeah. it was very quickly apparent that what we were doing is not event uh, storming at all. Yeah. The only thing that we had in common really was uh, commands and events. Mm-hmm. But back then there was really no timeline or at least the strict timeline that event modeling imposes um, and many other aspects. Uh, so uh, I focused on keeping a simple model mm-hmm. uh, for for representing software with fewer moving parts. Event storming had a bunch of other stickies that mm-hmm. are used. Uh, so we'll get into that later. But essentially what we're looking at is the influence of uh, being able to design software um, via stories, which is what Greg Young was doing yeah. uh, when he was specifying long-running workflows and mm-hmm. just and just in general event-sourced uh, systems. Yeah. Uh, the specifications were elaborated with uh, with uh, using events on a timeline. That was a very very strict kind of way of, of thinking about things. Yeah. Uh, he's all about consistency and having global ordering as far mm-hmm. as it can go to make sure that systems are performant, predictable, yeah. etc. So that was his yeah. discipline. And it's um, um, really great that you mentioned that um, earlier that you were thinking about a whole business as opposed to just, you know, talking about that's right. software architecture and, you know, things like that. Because I, one of the things that um, was really intriguing to me when I first started um, looking more into event modeling and uh, find out all of the benefits of it was that simplicity, as you mentioned, is key. And also uh, we're looking at a business as a whole so that all mm-hmm. aspects of this business uh, are basically having a voice into this modeling of you know whatever product or system we're trying to design because mm-hmm. having that uh, simplicity really helps people to understand better uh, what this product is going to be like or what they want this project uh, project to uh, do later on and that's one of the things that um, I want to get into a talk a little bit about uh, you, you. You mentioned the storyline and yeah. uh, having things consistent. Uh, we first usually start by uh, designing those events, and events are in the past tense. And uh, the reason why we do that is because we want to see what the end product is going to be like, right? That's right. Um, as humans, we're always looking in past tense. We're looking at okay, so if I'm going on vacation, I you know would have liked to see you know the the sea, or you know I would like to have this thing mm-hmm. working a certain way or you yeah know, you have a vision for at, what your vision. vacation is going to have exactly. been like right you're kind of <laughs> so building then, your memories before you actually make them yeah exactly <laughs> so we have that really powerful um ability in our brains to do that and so looking at it that way it makes perfect sense because you then you kind of work your way backwards and say okay so how do i get to this end point that i want to get to um and i, I think that's what you've done with event modeling and the storylines and swim lanes that 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 we will come back and, uh, and talk to you a little bit more. Um, so let's talk uh, about one of the things that you mentioned in uh, your blog, which I absolutely recommend everybody to read because it's really comprehensive and um, and also very simple to read. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, so thank you for making it really easy to, to digest. Um, one of the things that you mentioned is that uh, event modeling using uh, uses three moving parts, four patterns based, based on two ideas. So let's delve a little bit deeper into that. 
Let's yeah. talk about the two patterns that I, you and I were talking via email over the past <laughs> few days, I kind of dissecting all of this. So I'll give you the floor. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 nice to think about um, a very um, predictable and small number of patterns and pieces. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I think the to tie tie this together with the last point as to you know where event modeling came from. One of the things that was missing was the UI UX perspective. So okay. one of the things that I always had with the event model and how I specified software was to make sure that the screens were there with example data okay. uh, to show what was what was actually appearing in front of people's eyes, even if it's some backend process, what was appearing on monitoring screens yeah. for a sysadmin. It doesn't matter. There's a visual representation to that storyline, and exactly. the event modeling really is kind of the storyboard for a movie. Mm -hmm. You can see it like that. Um, uh, and the different plot that you have twisting plot threads down below are kind of the patterns that you see in musical notes. So when you yeah. look at an event model, there's a lot of you know, uh, parallels between other things that we already have as industry standards and in, in other, you know, in other industries. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, just to tie that up. So, you know, getting the event streams in the storyline in an event model definitely came from Greg, the collaboration from Alberto and the usability. Obviously, there's a ton of uh, books on usability, but uh, I, don't, I wasn't influenced by really any specific person on that approach. I just mm -hmm. needed a customer first focus. And um, so adding the, the UI as a first class citizen uh, was key. Um, yeah. UI and UX both. Um, you basically see what the cognitive load is and you see the visuals. You can say that this is what they're seeing via email or via yeah. the web sure. app versus the mobile app. So it's really uh, in tune with what the what the experience is. So that kind of ties the three core influences of uh, what shaped event modeling uh, mm -hmm. to be what it is today. And I think that's a really and, important concept because as, as uh, developers, a lot of times we don't think about the user. Uh, that's right. A lot of times we don't think about what the user is going to experience. And so that kind of a lot of times comes at the very end process, whereas mm -hmm. we want it to be at the beginning of the process because yeah. we want to be aware of what it, what is this person who is using my system is going to experience. And I think that's a yeah, really, exactly. really important concept. Yeah. And it's a and it's, and it's a first class citizen. So at the top, mm -hmm. at the very top of the diagram, it's the first thing you see. You have swim lanes representing each um, user that's interfacing with the system. You know, mm -hmm. in the hotel system, might be the manager, the guest, or yeah. you know, maybe a couple of guests if they're competing for availability availability of rooms. You might yes. want to show that. Mm -hmm. uh, you might even you know, you probably have the cleaning staff on there too. So you have about mm -hmm. three, four, maybe five swim lanes dedicated to specific people that are the actors in your movie um, yeah. that you're going to ex explain how, how they're going to be interacting together through mm -hmm. exercising all the different parts of the, of the system that you have, the, mm -hmm. the company you're running. And, um, and so, yeah, definitely that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the key components. So, yeah, let's get to the components of that. We can talk that's about, you know, you talked about the first two patterns. Well, um, first, the, the areas are kind of interesting of an event modeling an event model, which you get from event modeling, is that we already covered the top one, which is, you know, what screens do people see as yeah. as as time moves forward? So there's the timeline is the most important at the center, and the time timeline is just an arrow that goes from left to right, and you yes. you basically have things only moving forward through time, so it's realistic. And above yeah. that timeline, you have um, the swim lanes that represent what 
what the screens are showing for mm -hmm. each um, for each user of the system. So right. usually at the left, you have people registering, you have some setup that the admins might do. And by the time you get to the very end, you might be looking at sales and you might be looking at uh, getting comments about the user experience that you might get after your stay at a hotel or whatever yes. service you used. So you can see there's some sort of definitely some overall kind of neat patterns that emerge. They're not really design patterns, but you kind of see the tendency that when you specify software, you can you can really see some order uh, to it. And um, so the first thing is really the, the top part, which are the swim lanes for the different UI pieces that people see, um, right? Uh, and at the very bottom are different swim lanes. Yeah. They're the swim lanes that contain what happened um, in the system mm -hmm. uh, for different types of events. Let's say there was a you know anything to do with payments, we might put in one swim lane. So we might have refunds, yes. uh, discounts applied, you know, mm -hmm. payment processed. Mm -hmm. And in a hotel system, I'll keep using that example because it's the one that you'll find on the website. Yes. Um, you might have a reservation system that keeps inventory of how many types of rooms there are. You might have specific rooms listed, another one for cleaning schedules. So that might be another swim lane. Anything to do with the cleaning staff might be in that system. So it's a very natural way for people to organize that. And you show those again with these um, yellow or orange stickies. Um, I, I choose yellow simply because yellow stickies are more easily found in stores than yeah. <laughs> orange ones. Orange I know ones. by convention, people just know that <laughs> events are usually orange, but you know, I'm not going to, um, uh, I'm not going to make it any harder for people. Usually people have, um, you know, uh, yellow stickies found uh, in their desk so if you want to do this you know just just on your whiteboard it's kind of fun to be able to move them around yeah. physically yeah. and and do that as a group if uh, if you can do that so so those are the two major swim lane areas the ui ux at the top mm -hmm. and then at the bottom are the events which really are the things that mark transactions or state change as i would say like um, someone registered for a hotel room well you now know that that's a fact and it happened at this point on the timeline mm -hmm. And then you can uh, make your own conclusions as to when 10 of those happened, you probably ran out of the rooms because you have added initially, you know, a 10, you know, 10 rooms. Yes. Um, so mm -hmm. you can derive from the events that have happened, what happened, what the state of the system is. Mm -hmm. And so um, the two other colors that we have, actually, we only have the, the UI doesn't have a color. It's, it's, it's whatever you want. It's yeah. white, usually <laughs> wireframes, but, wire frames, uh, yeah. but it is, we can call it as a, you know, white to be color or just, you know, black and white wireframes or whatever. But the below we have the, the yellow um, events in the middle. It, it's the actual blue. And this is, I want to get to that part before we talk about the first pattern, because it involves, um, you know, how we change the system and how we view the system. Mm -hmm. So event modeling says that, you know, let's not talk about input output. Those are kind of a leading, uh, like loaded terms because yeah. input output systems means that if I need to get some output out of the system, I need to poke it and get input. And some, mm -hmm. sometimes you'll have, you know, queries to for state being commands and you'll have some, uh, you know, weird ways of, uh, of looking at uh, CKRS and event sourcing, if you think right. about it that way. So mm -hmm. I, I tend to like to use the words uh, everything around state because yes. what the event model is really is as you're looking at these swim lanes and how these different elements appear on as you move left from right it's really about at any point in time if you draw a vertical line through that event model the you can agree that the system is a certain is in a certain um type of state, state yeah. so uh 
you know, if if we have uh, if we want to know how many rooms are available, well, uh, you can just look to the left of that line and count up all the um, all the reservations mm -hmm. and all the all the check-in events yep. and say, oh, looking at the history of what has happened, it looks like we have two rooms left. Yeah, and that's so that kind of how you get the. View. That would be the yeah. state view, and we represent those with with green stickies. And where mm -hmm. those stickies really belong is in between the two areas of the swim lane. So right in the middle, it's kind of like the meat and the sandwich of yeah. between the two. Yeah. And so I like the, the the green stickies, and I'll get to the blue ones mm -hmm. um, to be in in one row, really in between to mark input and output to the system. It's kind of like the boundary um, to your system where you can denote input and output of the information. So. Sure. How you think of state is really by connecting um, some of those events to a green sticky. And mm -hmm. perhaps it's a sticky that shows how many rooms are available, like I said. So you would join any relevant events that happened before to that right. green sticky to show that this is what um, this particular view represents. It's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's not interested in payment events. It's not interested in uh, people registering as users. Those are not interesting to that view. So this is kind of like a model, really, a, a one right. specific model that's going to address availability. Sure. Now, yeah. uh, on the other one, you have the blue stickies, which are uh, how you affect the system. So that's the you want to affect the state of the system. How yes. do you change the state of system? The state of the system. How do those um, yellow stickies up here, mm -hmm. um, yellow or orange? Again, orange, if you're looking yeah. at the <laughs> if you if you look at the article, they're still orange yeah. there, but in practicality, whatever your market is yellow. available. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So we let's just let's just call them, uh, yeah, yellow or orange. Um, okay. So how how do they get in there? Well, that's generally you press a button on the screen, something like after filling out your form, you hit the register button, mm -hmm. and what you can imagine that that just sends a command to the system. I command the system to register me as a user, right? Mm -hmm. So that I know that I can do other things later, right. and so. You connect the UI straight to this blue sticky in the middle part of the event model, and then connect that one to a subsequent um, uh, yellow or orange uh, sticky down below in mm -hmm. one of the swim lanes mm -hmm. that marks that as a success. Yeah, and so that's great. So we now have um, inputs and outputs. Mm -hmm. Those green stickies, by the way, can then go be linked to a screen going yes. the other way as mm -hmm. output to yeah. show um, some information that may help make the uh, you know the system informative for people because um, it's really this kind of cadence that you start to see out of uh, a lot of the systems and it may have different beats if you're familiar with music you'll mm -hmm. understand yes. that this is can be different waves of of, uh, of information flow yep. some of them are direct and immediate so that you input something on a form you press a button and then immediately you see um, the effect of that. Mm -hmm which would be through a green sticky mm -hmm. that would be updated by the thing you just did yeah. uh, going all the way down to this, you know, orange sticky down below and it'll bubble up to the next page with that information. Yep. And that will have uh, perhaps that what you just submitted will be mixed in and calculated along with already other pieces of information in the system, but then it'll give you, um, you know, a new view. Perhaps it would be a total on your, if you're going to Amazon or something mm -hmm. and you put in a, a coupon code, you want to see how it affected the price. So that's kind of like that. Affect the system, see the effects, make your decision on what to do next. Affect the system again, see what the effects it has. So mm -hmm. there's this nice little um, back and forth that you have. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't have to be immediate. Like uh, some of these things are longer, looking at reports, mm -hmm. weekly sales reports, looking at, uh, you know, you're subscribed to something, getting informed. Yeah. 
via an, an email that the item that you're interested in mm -hmm. is available or it might be the room you're interested in the type of room became available if you're talking about the hotel system so it's it's this nice cadence that you get about uh, affecting the system seeing its effects then make using that information to make your next decision dive back in and act with the system again so that's yeah. it's really it really does form a nice uh for a set of patterns to talk about usability, UX, UI components mm -hmm. with designers. So that crosses that boundary quite nicely. And so, so when you talk about, so we kind of went over the, the core pieces yeah. of the event model, that's actually quite, um, quite complete. And in fact, that middle part of the sandwich that I talked about with the blue and the green, mm -hmm. if you really want to go fast and you just want to, you know, use a, paper napkin uh, over lunch and discuss something, skip those parts because a lot of times the events and the commands are one-to-one. -one, mm -hmm. And sometimes, uh, most of the time, the you know the green uh, stickies are one-to-one -one with the information on the actual screen. Yeah. So yeah. you can go quite fast by moving those out, but that's not always the case. And if you want to be thorough, it's good to have them in there. It's also a better visual analysis as to just how many, um, how complex the system is because we have a very good sort of cadence that you can get into as to how, what your velocity is when you're actually implementing this system yeah. they tend to be they tend to have really good anchors around these blue and and green and and green stickies you Absolutely. can just count them up yeah. and really use that as a as a good way to estimate how much the next system you're going to write is going to take with your particular exactly. team and um yeah. if i can add uh, that this system is really actually helpful and i'm glad you you brought up the the visual aspect of it because for me as a person who was not very familiar with cqrs uh, the, you know several months ago it was very difficult to visualize that and see, okay, so where is the command? Where is the event? You know, where is the input output? Mm -hmm. What, what changes the state? What, yeah. what is the view <laughs> of the state? You know, all that. And, and I think what really got me interested in event modeling in the first place was that I'm a visual person. So I have to look at something to really understand it. And uh, looking at mm -hmm. it was just like, Angel singing, like, oh, no, it makes sense. I can see it. And yeah. um, you can really, with, with the colors that you explained also, we can literally see what are the commands, what are the events, uh, what can be the queries, right? And mm -hmm. the way that you mentioned also, it, it really is helpful because the input, for instance, when we talk about the hotel application, for instance, uh, if you want to uh, register an account, if I'm a, a customer and wants to you know, register an account to book a room in this hotel. I can go ahead and send a, the command to register my account. And that command is sent and the event then would be account registered. And, you know, you can book your room and then, you know, in the query side of it, you can see, okay, there's room availability or, um, you know, on the management side of it, you can say, okay, so the these rooms are available for cleaning or what have you. So mm -hmm. visually, it's actually really pleasing to the eyes and, I, I, I'm a, I like to think I'm an organized person. So this actually really satisfies that, um, that craving that I had to understand exactly what CQRS is because you can see mm -hmm. it, you can see it in time and you can actually make sense of your inputs and outputs and literally what changes the state and what can just give you a view of the state, which I think are, are really, really valuable. Um, to mm -hmm. to anybody really for that matter. Yeah. And so yeah. these are what you call the moving parts, right? Because you can, yes. of course, in time, change them, um, modify them, improve them in the future. You know, based on what mm -hmm. your system is trying to do, or if you want to, uh, then add something else. Like for instance, this uh, particular part of the the hotel application that we're talking about, we're we're focusing on the booking part of the uh, the application. So then later on, if you want to bring in a third party. Um, 
systems to, for instance, uh, manage your payments or your inventory, whatever, which which uh, I'd like to uh go a little bit into more detail with you as well, because you, you do talk about uh, uh, translation and also automation. And those are really important. Yeah. The different too. patterns within these little moving exactly. things. Yeah. So let, let's get mm-hmm. into it right away. Yeah. Yeah. So the next step is, okay, we have these, we, we kind of have the pieces. We have mm-hmm. some of the rules as to where they go, but now we have some rules as to how they connect. Exactly. And so there are some rules about what you can connect when you can't connect. Right. And by that seems kind of limiting, but actually isn't. Um, it's, it adds a little bit of rigor, but because you're limiting what can connect to what, you're limiting the proliferation of, of what I call pattern soup. And if you ever mm. tried to design software with UML or read the Gang of Four book about all the different design patterns, uh, your head will be spinning. Yeah. And it's just, uh, I, I, I liken it to the, I, I keep using this analogy that it's if you're into um, nuclear physics, it's kind of like the earliest, um, earlier 20th century where they had... Uh, the subatomic particle soup. Mm -hmm. They kept making these experiments and they found all these different particles. And at one point there was like 150 of them. Like there's gotta be like a deeper meaning, right? Just like we saw snowflakes. Every snowflake's different. There's gotta be a different meaning. Well, that's all ice and it's all made out of one water molecule. So we wanted that deeper understanding of what is kind of like the minimal thing that's still useful to talk about. And yeah. so what we have here is is kind of, you know, the the core thing that makes up uh, these, you know, greater, larger patterns. Um, and that is focusing on that state. So how do we specify something? If we take one vertical sort of little slice, or we look at, you know, one of these blue commands, how do we specify all the permutations of that? Well, mm-hmm. it's this kind of given when then situation that you can say, given these previous events have happened, when I try this command, then it succeeds and I have this event. Mm-hmm. That's a really easy um, test to talk about, Absolutely. to implement, to really give a scenario. Mm-hmm. And I can run through, you know, to give some data variations, some permutations of different data values. I can have maybe 10 to 20 of these for some of the more involved steps. Yeah. Or they can be simple uh, success and failures for the very you know boring mundane ones such as registration that's not at the core of your uh, you know your your system, um, and uh, and and that's fine. Yeah. Uh, for so that's the first pattern is really about state affecting state. So mm-hmm. state change uh, or input is the first pattern. The second pattern is state view, obviously. Right. And these are the two main patterns. The set, the very, they're very similar because the state view is really given when then without the command. So it's a right. given then because you can't reject state. It is what it is. So you can say, given that I've had these events happen to my system, all I can do is make a conclusion in my test and say, then this, this report or this screen or this view um, will look like this. Mm-hmm. It could be a sales report. It could be your current basket. Um, it could be you know, how how your reservation uh, amount owing or whatever it could mm-hmm. be. Um, it's basically information that uh, you're going to use or other systems are going to use. We can get into the next patterns, which is cross-system. Yeah. Uh, but the main two patterns really are these given when-thens and given-thens. And the following two patterns are really built um, upon those two patterns when you're implementing a system like this. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of simplicity, um, the event model does make them uh, a little bit shorter. And so... Um, the the next pattern uh, we have is getting information from an external system. Mm-hmm. So the example that I give in the uh, in the article is 
um, the hotel has a self, uh, like a, a, an automatic checkout system so that right. on your, you know, your last day of, uh, that you're staying there, if the, if your GPS coordinates on your, on your phone are, you know, outside, go outside of the, of the grounds of the, of the hotel, mm -hmm. the hotel will automatically check, check you out. out and send you an invoice and mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's not a realistic case, but it's good enough to show that we're using external events and how to automate them. So sure. it's, it's called, it's called a translation mm -hmm. pattern, which means that I'm going to learn, um, I'm going to specify how I'm going to think about something that's not native to my domain. Yeah and translate it to something that is. Because the events that we're getting from the phone are really um, not human friendly, <laughs> at least to say the least. There are a bunch of coordinates yeah. that are these digits and they're coming in, you know, once a second or, you know, however often it is, mm -hmm. might be, uh, you know, every 10 seconds, but right. holy smokes, that's a lot of events. But when we're talking about, you know, the, the business case for this, mm -hmm. and we're talking about the specifications for this, we're not talking about coordinates to one another. We're using words such as when the person leaves the hotel grounds, they will have uh, an, an invoice right. sent. So there's, you know, how do, how do these events that make sense, such as left the hotel grounds, make it into the system? Mm -hmm. Well, it's through translation. Right. And so um, the initial events might be, well, let's define the rectangle or whatever geographic shape we want in terms of coordinates on a map as to what the grounds are. And then... Uh, our translator, quote unquote, um, is going to then only give us events when something of interest happens, mm -hmm. such as when I leave or I or I come back to the hotel. Mm -hmm. And so those are the those are the events that we can um, then use for further specifications. Mm -hmm. But translation is really how you integrate input from an external system. Mm -hmm. And you know, usually that's given. Hey, I got these coordinates. Therefore, on the other side. Um, uh, you know, so given these coordinate events, then I get, you know, this subset of events that I mm -hmm. understand mm -hmm. on this side. Right. So that's a very, very quick, quick way to, to specify that kind of system, yeah. uh, that, that kind of system interaction. And the fourth one is obviously the opposite of that. Notice this is system to system. So the yeah. fourth one is um, about how we get our information to another, you know, going the other way. Another and system. a yep. good example of that is like a automating a payment gateway. Mm -hmm. We certainly don't use that language that the payment gateway API gives us. Right. That's really alien to us. Yeah. So you have a translation going on the other way. We don't call it a translation. This pattern is called an automation. Mm -hmm. And the best way to represent that to, across all sorts of different information systems is through um, what's called a to-do list. Yeah. And so uh, again, the you know one one element we didn't mention is that sometimes on those UX UI screens we put a little gear or a little robot mm -hmm. up there because we represent um, automated uh, pieces such as payment gateway processing and things like that. Usually thought easily th by technical people mm -hmm. thought of as batch processes mm -hmm. of the old olden days, right. but these can be real time reactive patterns and implementation. It's really a separate thing from from implementation. Right. But that's that's about it. Those four. Those four patterns are, are really it. And uh, the last one is kind of specified that uh, given this, uh, this to-do list, which is a green sticky, mm -hmm. um, then I'm going to you know, send this command for each entry. And um, if, that, if those are successful, these are the events that we'll store yeah. as a result yeah. of them. And then it just goes back into the same patterns. And that's the importance. And that's mm -hmm. why you can only have a command link to an event and an event link in turn to a green sticky. Yeah. So that's how you ensure that things always follow those small patterns is that you can't just, you know, say 
given this event, I'm going to make this command. No, no. <laughs> you have to sort of think about it as this will still be thought of as a to-do list yeah. in some way, even if it's one-to-one, -one, even if you're doing very little. Mm -hmm. That cadence is quite important to have um, a, a set of um, regular patterns to follow so that you uh, your software development is predictable um, if you're using it for software development yeah, anyway. Definitely. And um, yeah, <laughs> I know we're running low on no, no, time no, here, fine. so I should, I should I'm, I'm I could fully talk enjoying about this, this conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, me yeah. too. <laughs> this is great. And actually, this circles us back to the, uh, the main idea that you mentioned at the beginning, which is the simplicity. Uh, because we want mm -hmm. to keep everything... Uh, digestible, if you would, right? Because otherwise, yes. everything becomes too big and too giant. And that actually brings me to uh, the couple of last points that I want to talk about uh, more in the terms of the event modeling, then I do have some other general questions for you. Um, sure. So that would be um, translating then this model into code then becomes a lot easier. Because uh, if you are using event sourcing, and if you're following the patterns of CQRS, then you can actually see, okay, these are my events, these are my commands, these are what I want to have uh, available in queries and, and so forth. That's, uh, that's one of the really beautiful things to me, because it actually translates this model really easily into code. And as a developer, mm -hmm. you want to be able to see that. But also as, as somebody who's non-technical, you want to also have a say uh, in how your system is that's going right. to work. Like, for instance, uh, maybe the CEO of the company or the uh, marketing team, they're not technical people, but they also have very important things to, to say about this business. And also your developers should also have that understanding of what's going on. Uh, with the system so that they can translate it easily into into their code or designing their system or what have you. So that's one of the things that I wanted to point out that that is really beautiful and wonderful to me. And also the last point is uh, the the cost uh, per uh, adding a feature because I think that's really mm -hmm. important and uh, something that sometimes we don't. Uh, think about immediately at the beginning when we're designing a system or an application is that right. if you want to then add to it, what, what is, what is the cost effect of it? Can you, can you talk about mm -hmm. that a little bit? Yeah, there's two, there's two aspects to that. There's, um, there's the way that traditionally we would make agile projects and sprints and that uh, we get kind of rework being added because we're constantly refactoring what we have to be better. Mm -hmm. Um, on the surface, that sounds really good, but really what we're doing is violating a lot of open-close principle, and we're really making projects uh, become less and less fun as the further they get on, right. um, which is really those, oh, wow, you're so lucky you're working on a greenfield project, and... Uh, you know, that greenfield project quickly turns to something nasty, you know, a year or two later where uh, getting features added, just it's like pulling teeth. It's really risk risky and, um, and it's not good. And a lot of that is is really uh, due to the amount of rework that's being done and how we how we eliminate rework and kind of destroying things we we built before. Uh, because we didn't have information about what the complete system was going to have is this design upfront, which we touched upon earlier with UML. Mm -hmm. So hopefully you've seen that this has the same effects of having a design such as a UML design to guide your implementation. Mm -hmm. But it's not a big design upfront. It's a small design upfront. And we always gave that, lit, you know, we said that we're going to do that in Agile, but we never really did it. Mm -hmm. I've been involved in Agile for you know two decades mm -hmm. from the days of XP before Agile even started, and we never really did that properly. There was never a really good way to do it. 
certainly wasn't done in a collaborative manner with multiple people. A lot of this ended up being um, in, you know, just the programming realm and uh, and that bridge between business and tech was was hardly there and it really cost cost us. So having small design up front that is done collaboratively is incredibly important. Yeah. It's not something esoteric that's like UML that has to be done by technicians. And it's not um, really uh, so far away from implementation that you know user stories still leave so many unanswered questions okay. about the actual form of how the information is going to change over time and give you that cadence that'll give you estimates. Mm -hmm. So that's really where we're at: is we have this small design up front and in a friendly, done in a friendly way that invites any person from any uh, role in the organization to participate and have their say and understand the system. And then once the design is done, just like a, just like a, a building blueprint, mm -hmm. uh, when the building is finished, you don't throw away the blueprint. You still keep the blueprint for maintenance, or if you want to add an extension to your house, mm -hmm. you need to know where the electrical is, where the plumbing is. You need to know all those, all those things. So the blueprint turns to, into a map where you can find things. And same thing with an event model. After the project is done, the event model sticks around um, even after implementation so that during maintenance or plans for extension, you can look and see um, just what that'll cost mm -hmm. and how you would do it yeah. and and do it in an inviting manner that doesn't uh, that doesn't really uh, form any elitist teams mm -hmm. that have the knowledge to do it. You know, I pretty much explained everything there is about event modeling in this in this podcast. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to have to force your company to study books for a whole year to get on the same page because that'll never happen. You yeah. want something that you can explain more or less within 15 minutes, half an hour, and then really learn how to collaborate mm -hmm. using that instead of having to just wait for people to to learn a you know read a bunch of books. That's that's really really hard to do. Yeah. So we want you know simple concepts that are very powerful and give a lot of value, and that are not. Um, esoteric to a specific uh, group of people. You want it to be highly inclusive, mm -hmm. and then to give this cadence where uh, you know you can implement these slices in you know variety of uh, variety of uh, technologies. So we're really looking at you know, you know our company ends up working in uh, fixed cost mm -hmm. because we have a, such a good cadence that we can rely on these estimates so well, yeah. and uh, fixed costs open up a whole bunch of other doors mm -hmm. where you don't really need to. Um, have such uh, high scrutiny interviews, which removes the subjectivity, mm -hmm. drives up diversity. You really don't have to worry about who you're hiring because they get end up getting paid like anyone else. Mm -hmm. um, those terms as to what people get paid per slice um, can be quite open yeah. because everyone's getting the same. And so it really removes a lot of these nasty kind of patterns that we've developed in this industry that's kind of uh, been at the forefront of, uh, of news for a, for a long time. Yeah. So I'm hoping that it's it's going to be uh, a lot more positive for for a lot of non-technical reasons uh, as well. Yeah, and I think it's it's important to mention that because um, as we talked a little bit er earlier during this talk, uh, this conversation was uh, a lot of people from non-technical backgrounds are coming into the you know world of technology, and I think it's really important for uh, somebody like me to have uh, this concept that's really easily understandable and it's not overly technical because. I can read a very technical blog, but I have to, you know, read through it 10 times to be able to make sense of it. But with a concept like event modeling, it makes it so uh, just wonderful. And uh, it's, it's not to diminish the complexity of it at all. 
because it's still a very mm-hmm. complex idea, and um, but it's put in a way that is simply understandable. And that's what I really yeah, exactly. love about it. So I, I really uh, appreciate your your efforts in, in doing so because it makes life so much so much easier for for me at least. You know, hopefully for everybody else too. Uh, but just we did talk a little bit about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm sure there's a, a few <laughs> places we're gonna have to edit out anyway. So I, I think we're good on time yeah. for my. Perspective. <laughs> no, it's, it's perfect. Um, so let's. Uh, we did talk about uh, academia earlier in. Uh, oh, I guess the kids are up. Uh, so <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we did talk about academia a little bit earlier on, and mm-hmm. uh, I can't wait to hear a little bit more about. <laughs> Hello, two year old. <laughs> How cute. <laughs> uh, we're not going to edit anything in this episode. That's so good. That's good. Happening. Keep it real. Exactly. <laughs> I like it. You know, as working parents, especially in these weird times, yeah, this, is, this exactly. is what we deal with, yeah. and, and I love it. Um, but <laughs> anyways, let's go back to academia. Uh, you did talk to me yeah. a little bit about um, a university course that you're, you're offering. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so it it just happens that the University of Victoria um, is has uh, uh, offered um, uh, event modeling as part of the software design course. Woo-hoo! So computer science uh, three seventy five at UVic is nice. now um, going to be finishing up uh, with with event modeling to tie together um, all the other parts during that course, such as UML and um, and uh, entity relationship diagrams and uh, some of the other patterns that they're teaching during that course mm-hmm. to be tied together uh, with event modeling as the final lesson. Mm-hmm. So I'll be the guest lecturer there, um, hopefully every, every semester, which will be really, yeah, that's uh, really nice. I know yeah. the, the professor there, um, um, Adam Murray, is, uh, is, is highly skilled, understands um, event sourcing, secure as teaches that really well, um, really excellent person. Yeah. Well respected in the community. Yeah. So it was really flattering to be asked about that. And I'm happy that it's actually moving into um, academia now. And um, I'm hoping that it'll continue to precipitate down into lower um, numbered courses yeah. to be, you know, more widely acceptable. And uh, because it's a, it's really easy to understand. So I'm hoping that it's going to start to be introduced in, in other levels at colleges at level 100 and uh, hopefully even in certain high schools, mm-hmm. if, uh, if 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 it's actually uh, doable there, I'd be super happy to to help with that as well. If anyone's interested, yeah, and, I sure um, hope so. Yeah. yeah, and congratulations, <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah, this is really yeah, great. So that's happening next, yeah, next month in November. Oh, nice. So we'll see how it coming goes. Coming up pretty yeah. soon. And you <laughs> are working on a book. And how's that coming? Yes, out? that's also coming out in November in the draft, but actually officially will be um, released in January. Fantastic. So uh, a lot of people have been asking for you know a lot of the material that we've been talking about, the yeah. background to it, how how these things work in practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's about twenty three chapters mm-hmm. at this point, and they're always ebbing and flowing. And I'm kind of glad I waited to write the book, um, finish the book actually, mm-hmm. from all the notes that I have over the last few years. Uh, uh, it'll just be a little bit you know, uh, a little bit, uh, meatier with, with more, <laughs> more, more substance to it, more case studies, more, more fun exercises and, um, uh, you know, give, give someone, uh, 
uh, a lot of a lot of good reading material to really get a good base of uh, just thinking differently mm-hmm. about systems because we've really had you know we never mentioned you know how this whole thing started with the first 50 years of computing yeah. being really you know static model of the current you know why we're doing a lot of database stuff it's you know storage was really expensive we didn't get into that i do get into that in in my um uh, in my blog yes. post and also the yeah, book yeah. expand on it too but there's a lot of reasons why this makes mm-hmm. sense and people are scratching well, why didn't people do that before well it just wasn't in the cards it was too yeah. expensive to store information exactly. this way and now we don't have that mm-hmm. and so yeah. yeah and then of course we have uh, for those that you you know speaking of november wow <laughs> what else can we do there uh november we're gonna also have a really large workshop, um, uh, workshop yes. that's 40 hours five days Ooh. long um, it's, it's around $1,200, but for, I think for, for the listeners to, to this podcast, we're, we're going to have a, uh, uh, you know, maybe you can come up with a good uh, discount code. What should it be? Yeah, we'll, 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 uh, we'll come up with something and I'll add well, it. To well, that. no, you can tell me one now. You can, you can what, what should it be? Well, <laughs> let's see. We, we can, we can make a thematic one. So. Hey. Okay, so why don't we just why don't we just do Axon? If you put an Axon, uh, we'll just uh, knock off twenty percent, and uh, just because you listen, people got to the end. Hey, that's fantastic! Yay! Type in Axon in the in the discount code. We'll do a little teaser in the in the in the you know the information. I think it'll be fun. (laughs) People deserve that discount if they they made it this far. (laughs) It's a long episode, right? (laughs) This is is perfect. Thank you, thank you for that. And also, I wanted to um, add that you do meetups regularly. uh, and these are virtual yes. meetups, and I've attended several of them. And uh, it really gives a good insight on what event modeling is all about. And you go into a lot more detail than what we uh, managed to talk about today. So that's mm-hmm. something that uh, is really, really cool. And I, I recommend that also, um, whoever's listening, to really check out the, the meetups. And also, you get to hear a lot of really cool uh, questions also from the participants. The, the past uh, few times that yeah. I uh, participated, the, some really, really knowledgeable individuals uh, are there. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the amount of uh, uh, information that is exchanged is, is really wonderful. So highly yeah, recommend. Yeah, lots of regulars well. there that are that are dedicated to yeah. it. So it's, it's really good when, when regular people come back Absolutely. and... Uh, you know, it's, it's an event. The the name of the meetup is event driven. Um, it is virtual now, so it's not just for Vancouver. Yeah. It's about two thousand people there, and we meet every um, Tuesday and Friday. So for Europe, that'll be your early evening. Yeah. Maybe your, I think it falls on five o'clock or five thirty or something yeah. like that. And uh, on the West Coast here, it's ten thirty a.m. Mm-hmm. Tuesdays and uh, Fridays. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm too busy, so. Sometimes it's once a week, but most of the time it's twice yeah. a week, and um, we're always going in. For around two hours, sometimes three hours, yeah. depending on the to- topic. So, exactly. and I'll there's a the lot links of links as well, so that way, um, yeah, there's a lot of links on eventmodeling.org. Yeah, yeah, there's a awesome. lot of yeah. There's also all the rec- you know not all the recordings, but a lot of the recordings from the meetup are on the YouTube channel. Perfect. You can check out previous episodes yeah. and um, lots of materials. So, hope we'll get all the links in the show notes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and I'll add you uh, on YouTube yeah. as well because you do have some webinars there as well that uh, people can check out and where you're explaining the event model in slides and there's visuals so that uh, people can also uh, check that out because, you know, of course, with the podcasts, yeah, I've, sometimes... I've been a little 
slow to publish the <laughs> publish the the uh, meetup recordings simply because we're really busy trying to get yeah. this uh, workshop yeah. going. It's a lot of recordings to be yeah. done. So okay. 40 hours of instruction is uh, nothing no, uh, easy. And so, <laughs> yeah. but, but we're gonna get we're gonna get there. We and of course, we started early. We're gonna get there. And of course, you know, uh, <laughs> last but not least, you did a talk for our conference for the Axonic conference That's three right. weeks ago, and uh, that is also, I believe, available on YouTube so that everybody can go and check it out. And it was a really, really comprehensive and just wonderful talk. So, highly, highly recommend all of well, the above. Uh, information and sources for resources for people to to check out. Um, any last comments that you'd like to add? Anything that we didn't? I mean, I know there's a lot to cover still, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm available. You know, usually I'm on Twitter, yeah. so I'm highly active on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, sometimes on LinkedIn, I do more professional style. Um, but if you want the raw ideas, <laughs> it's on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, you can message me there. Uh, direct message me. Um, and uh, there's also a Slack channel for event modeling, if you like, uh, dedicated mm -hmm. to it and anything uh, all all around. We're also developing. In partnership uh, with uh, with Evident Systems, uh, Onote, which is an uh, an automated uh, sort of better than Miro, uh, one of these things that will um, uh, it's basically a whiteboard that'll give you uh, that's built for event modeling, so it'll give you all of the yes. rules implemented. So you can't you know you can't attach a command directly to a read model and things like this, um, and more so you can generate code. So you can either use some of the pre-built things that are being added to generate code for your solution, um, or you can you know extend it through your, the, your own patterns that you have in your own company. Yeah. Plug those in as part of the template, and uh, if you get really good at it, um, you can pretty much generate you know eighty percent of most of the uh, code, code well. that you're going to need and and just uh, focus on the important part How so fantastic. and yeah. again yeah there'll there'll be obviously templates sure. for simple things such as you know logging in registering those mm -hmm. are going to be things you can just you know drag and drop mm -hmm. and uh, interface through events which makes it a lot easier yeah. than the traditional ways of integrating yeah that's things. awesome and um you know this, but uh, just uh, for the listeners, uh, I'm actually writing a blog series on from event to from event modeling to code. So from model to code is uh, is a blog series that I'm working on, and uh, I know I've been bombing your email with <laughs> lots of questions. Oh, no, that's appreciate great! <laughs> I appreciate you having <laughs> me. Happy to help. Uh, so that's uh, hopefully coming out. The first one should come out sometime yeah. next week. So um, that's another uh, hopefully uh, resource for. That'll help a lot because a lot of people need that kind of transition from traditional. A lot of people just want to get guided by uh, tests, yeah. you know, test driven yes. to focus. But if you look at an event model, just follow the arrows. That'll give you the same kind of minimalistic, yeah. uh, just code what you need. But at least you get all the places reserved so you're not, yeah. you know, cracking open things. You you know, if things that were finished, you're not opening up mm -hmm. again. That's going to save you a lot definitely, of time. Definitely. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that oh, series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. Soon, hopefully, they will come out. And uh, yeah, hopefully, we'll be able to um, help some of the listeners or people who are interested in uh, finding out a little bit more about event modeling and also translating it into code uh, a bit more. So I'm, I'm excited about those. Uh, so thank you so much, Adam, for making the time. And I know it's almost midnight your time. So I really appreciate oh, okay. your time. Thank you so much for... Thank you for having me. Of course, um, it's, it, a pleasure. it's all good. Looking forward to hopefully catching up and uh, in the future Absolutely. seeing how things go. Absolutely. And um, 
don't forget about the workshop yeah. and I can't wait for the blog. Oh, thank you. So thank right, you so thank much. You. Same here. Same here. <laughs> I will. I'm sure I'll talk to you more. And uh, until then, have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thank Take you. Care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Adam. I will include all of the resources and the links in the information part of this podcast. Please join me next time as I will discuss topics of uh, saga and set validation. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.